0: Financial independence has changed for me because I'm not living like a pauper anymore. I used to live like a college student for many years following college, but nowadays it's like, I need to be happy now and I need to be satisfied with my life today because if not, what's the point of living tomorrow?
1: Welcome to the Quit Work Podcast, 15 minute conversations with people who have quit their job and gone their own way. I'm Mark, and today I'm talking to Jay Millennial, who's aiming to retire from his cybersecurity career with a net worth of maybe $7 million by the age of 45. And if you think that sounds ambitious, you should know that he's already reached a net worth of a million dollars and he's not even 30 yet. Jay, welcome to the Quit Work Podcast. I want to ask about earning money. One of the things that I really like about you is, as opposed to a lot of people in the financial independence community who focus on spending less, you have more of a focus on earning more. So perhaps you can tell people why you <laughs> emphasize that.
0: Absolutely, yes. When I was younger, I used to not have a lot of things, and I actually centered my life around getting certain things that I wanted And it's more about being able to provide a comfortable life for myself and still being able to balance what I want in the middle of it. So that's the reason why I pursue earning more rather than spending less. I feel like my parents focused a lot on spending less, so much to the point that it was restrictive. And I want to be more comfortable in where I'm at.
1: If you want to earn more, then cybersecurity is definitely a good career choice. How did you get into cybersecurity, and how did you come to that choice?
0: Absolutely. I actually thought I was going to be a programmer. I got a degree in information systems, which is probably a step down from computer science. And I thought I wanted to be a business to IT enabler. And in the process, what happened is I learned about the security space just through different student organizations that I was a part of. And it really intrigued me. I ended up jumping into a rabbit hole, hacking my own Wi-Fi network, hacking my cousin's Wi-Fi network and all that stuff, (laughs) phones in between. And (laughs) that's literally how it gets started. That's that's how the seed just gets planted and grows.
1: I really like the way that you think strategically about your career. I mean, I, I think you're actually pretty into computers, but I think a lot of people tend to try and find the most interesting job they possibly can without considering how much money it pays. Whereas, if you consider how much money it pays, that can actually fund a lifestyle outside of work that can be more fulfilling, I think. Absolutely. So, what would you say were the best things and the worst things about your job?
0: I would say the best things about it would be the challenge. I feel like every single day I go into work, I work on something that's slightly different than the day before, unless it's a long term project. Yeah. So, it keeps me on my feet in that case. And then I hear about new cyber attacks, and then I have to say, okay, what is my perspective on this? Because tomorrow my clients are going to come to me for answers. So it's a fast-paced field in that regard. I would say that that is the best, but for some people that may be also the worst thing as well. For me, it just isn't because I like that. Yeah, I would say the worst part of it would be for people that want to have a more static lifestyle, cybersecurity is a very dynamic industry. It's not like accounting or finance or audit where it's you check a couple of boxes and do some regulated procedures, it's more like you have to be very creative in the types of solutions that you are implementing and doing. Because if there's a one way to do it, everyone's going to try that way and then there's no point in having my job.
1: You could be sure that the people on the other end of this equation who are trying to break your security are going to be creative about it.
0: Yes, I've heard things like, oh, we got in through the microphone system and I'm like, what? You play a high-pitched speaker sound and you can transmit data to somebody else's microphone on the side? Or Wow it's, it's a lot of crazy things yep well it's mind blowing
1: it's interesting how you point out the pros and the cons of that i mean the pro is that you have to be learning the whole time and the con is you have to be learning, the whole, to be learning the whole time
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right
1: that's not your only income stream though your cybersecurity job you have income from your investments and rent from real estate dividends from shares But you also have side hustles. You're a reseller and you have a YouTube channel. So tell us a little bit about how that all comes together.
0: Oh my. (laughs) (laughs) The YouTube channel is probably the next logical step in what I was doing. It was more like just randomly uploading random videos. I didn't have any rhyme or reason for it. I just thought, I think this is going to help a lot of people. There are some videos that did take off like, you know, how to sign a car title that took off. Yeah, There are some things that don't take off, like why put money in a 401k? So it really intrigues me in that sense, but I just think, okay, what's something that could benefit a lot of people? And I'll just make a video on that. In my case, it just happened to be some household related items that I would do there. And I would just upload those videos, they would hit, and I would be surprised every single time. Because some ideas where I thought wouldn't hit actually hit, yeah. and some that I thought would not be great, end up becoming the best. So that's a side thing that I've done. From a reselling perspective, it was an idea that my um, girlfriend actually told me: "Is like, hey, what if we just took that TV over there since we bought it so cheap, and then just resold it?" And I thought, what a crazy idea! But <laughs> I'll, I'll try it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. will try it. And what's funny about this is, while I was watching TV one day, she ended up selling the TV as I was watching it. And the cool thing about that is, I realized, oh snap, there's a market for it. So. Yeah. I ended up taking that more seriously and now I've sold about 300 televisions and that's over $40,000 worth of profit.
1: That's just amazing. (laughs) I'm very interested in how your approach to YouTube is just put stuff up that's useful. It sounds so simple, but it's so refreshing to hear it described in that way.
0: Totally. And then the real estate part of it is mainly just thinking, okay, I have to throw my money into something that will earn me money month on month because I know YouTube Maybe the topic I post about yesterday is not going to be popular tomorrow, or maybe I break my leg tomorrow and I can't flip a TV anymore. So I need some ways out. That is where real estate and the other investment portfolio come in. So earning dividends through that, getting real estate, it's like, now that I have some additional capital, can I find some things that I can just park money in and just pay me? Because I know I can't do these things forever.
1: I'm interested what kind of videos you thought would work on youtube and did not and vice versa which ones you thought would not work and did
0: totally yes yeah i actually thought i would be a car blogger i really wanted to be a car blogger like go to dealerships review their cars i wanted to make a rental car channel but apparently i'm not knowledgeable enough about cars people have told me time and time again they'll watch my videos and dislike it to heck because it is not good so i realized that the hard way where i did get some traction is i was like fixing the brakes on one of my cars And I realized, oh my gosh, all these videos suck, because one of them would tell you, this is how you change the brake pad, but not tell you this is how you remove a lug nut. And I thought, what if I broke it down to the most simple steps? This is the lug nut, this is the wrench, this is where you put the jack points, this is how you jack the car up. And I did all that, and that video got like 40,000 views to my amazement. Because I was thinking, "I'm, I'm, I'm a kind of dumb guy, and I'm gonna explain it to somebody else like me who's kind of dumb at this kind of thing. And hopefully they'll get it. And sure enough, a lot of people got it. So it's like, for me, not being knowledgeable in one area and trying to show as much knowledge as I can, piecing things together, I know that's what I'm good at. And then displaying it back to the people, that's what I'm good at. I cannot tell people about the specifications of vehicles, but I can tell you, this is how I would explain it if I was five.
1: Yeah, I love that. Because... I'm sure everybody has had that experience with YouTube videos. It's like they assume a certain amount of knowledge. They assume that you know what the tools are.
0: That is my biggest problem.
1: (laughs) So talking of cars, I'd like to talk about the Maserati. Most people, when they hear that you drive a Maserati, think you must be a crazy big spender, but that's not the case. So can you start by saying how much you paid for your car?
0: Yep, that car was $19,000 and it's a 2014 model. I have people yeah. give me looks every time I drive it. Uh, when I hop out in the gas station, people ask me what I do for a living. And it's, it's hilarious. It's a it's perception. <laughs> like I used to think people that just drive cars are, you know, they're all rich or something like that. But that's not always the case. Yeah. For me, I know what my net worth is, and I can comfortably afford a vehicle if it was newer, but I'm just a more frugal guy that looks for value in things.
1: I know that you do an enormous amount of research whenever you buy something large, like a, a car, but you also are willing to spend money on the things that bring you joy. And of course, those are going to be different for different people. For you, it's the Maserati, it's travel. For other people, it may be something different, but being willing to spend on those things that really bring you joy, I think that's a great strategy.
0: Absolutely. And there's things where I find value in that I'll actually do myself versus things that I don't find value in that I'll just let other people do. Like I'll tell people if an oil change is, you know, 600 bucks, that doesn't make sense to me. But if it's 300 bucks and I know the parts are going to cost $200 on the end there, If I can just flip one TV and it takes me 10 minutes versus if I have to do the oil change myself and it takes me an hour and a half, there's a lot of value I can find in my time just spending it and earning it somewhere else.
1: So you're still aiming to retire early by the age of 45? Is that still your target?
0: Yes, I would still love to retire by 45. That may change, but my target is still 45. I do want to say if I hit 7 million, I'll do it, but you never know.
1: (laughs) You're doing extraordinarily well so far. So my money's on you to make it to 7 million by 45. (laughs) Thank you. You earn good money as a cybersecurity consultant. It's a great profession to be in, but there's a lot of people who are earning the same kind of money who aren't saving and aren't investing and just don't seem to be interested in financial independence. Why do you think most people don't do what you're doing?
0: So I think the reason is because of Looking at the surroundings, in my field, it's a um, consulting industry. And I think the issue with consulting is the more people earn, the more people spend because the people around them spend. When everyone looks at me, they're like, how come you don't live in like um, Austin, Texas or something that's really expensive with your income? And I'm thinking, that's not how I was raised. I'm different. I don't own a Peloton bike. I don't own multiple Rolex watches like these people do. I don't like to spend money every day on eating out or these things just because I wasn't raised that way is one part. And the second part is, it's the value that I feel I get out of it. I would much rather buy a $25 bike and then mount a tablet on it <laughs> and watch an exercise <laughs> yes. videos than buy a $2,500 bike. I was just, it's not me. And I think that's what it is, is. Part of it is personality, but part of it is also the value, and part of it is just peer pressure.
1: So here's kind of the opposite question for you. I, I can't help but thinking, I mean, you're doing so well, but you've got a net worth over a million dollars you've got your investments and your side hustles and your modest spending, all of those come together to making me think that you could probably quit work right now and be comfortable for the rest of your life. So has that occurred to you? Is that a possibility?
0: Yes, I know that I can retire early. If I rent out this house, and if I live in Las Vegas, where my other house is, I know that loan is $50,000. I can kick that tenant out and I can live forever and not have an issue. Or I can live in Malaysia and not have an issue. The problem is, I like what I do, and I don't see the value in retiring this early. It doesn't, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life if I'm not hacking into stuff. I just like, you know, breaking into stuff in the legal way, of course, and it's just very fulfilling. (laughs) Yeah. Some people will say they can travel and all that stuff, but I feel like I can save that for a bit later date. I can see bits and pieces of it over time, but ultimately I'm happy where I'm at. And that's the problem is I I like what I'm doing.
1: Yeah, that's a good problem to have. (laughs) So do you think when the uh, time comes and you are able to retire and you do decide that you uh, want to, do you think you'll be able to slow down enough? Because I think you work like crazy on all of the stuff that you're working on right now.
0: Yes, I do feel like between my early 20s and my late 20s, my perception on work has changed a bit because it's like working 60, 70, 80 hours a week for $65,000 a year versus working 45 hours on my main job and 15 hours on this job and 10 hours on that job that I feel a bit more enjoyable. So it's a shift in how I work versus before. It's like, I don't feel like it's work in some cases because I really enjoy what I'm doing versus before when I was working so hard because I needed it so I could fund some investments and do some more stuff. So yes, I'm absolutely slowing down, but shifting things into what I like to do more which is a bit less of you know, implementation for long nights and all that stuff to just generally breaking into things and giving opinions. So
1: It's interesting how as you become more valuable to your employer and more experienced in your work, you, you have that kind of power to be able to choose a little bit more what you do, how you spend your time at
0: work. That's what I call the golden handcuffs. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> so one final question for you, Jay. How has your focus on financial independence changed how you think about your life?
0: So I would say it's made me very intentional about what I do. Like, I feel like if I have $10,000, I have 10,000 soldiers. They can either make me happy now or happy later. And I would say in the beginning of it, I was focused on happy later, happy later, happy later. But now that I'm in my late 20s and have amassed what I have, I'm thinking, Happy now, happy now, happy now. Like, let's, <laughs> let's let's shift that a bit. It's like if I if I were to kick the bucket tomorrow, I want to make sure I've balanced that I'm happy now, even still having some for later as well. So that's why the Maserati exists. That's why my bigger house exists. That's why I have these things, and I'm still spending well under my means as well. So it's yeah. I know financial independence has changed for me because. I'm not living like a pauper anymore. I used to live like a college student for many years following college, but nowadays it's like I need to be happy now and I need to be satisfied with my life today because if not, what's the point of living tomorrow?
1: That was a fantastic conversation. Thanks so much, Jay. Listeners, if you'd like to connect with Jay Millennial, you can follow him on Instagram at Millennial. Jay, thanks so much for joining me on the Quit Work podcast.
0: It's been great. Thank you for having me.
1: Thanks for listening to the Quit Work Podcast. I love talking to people who have taken the bold step of quitting their job to start living their true life. Join me for a fresh conversation every week. Subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube channel at quitworkproject.com. And if you have any comments on this episode or if you'd like to tell your own quit work story, I'd love to hear from you. Contact me at quitworkproject.com or on Twitter or Instagram at quitworkproject. I hope you too find your way to quitting work and living your true life.